Uh, my name is Brent. We're so glad that you're here today. We're starting a brand new series called Pull Your Head Out of Your App. It's a three-week series, um, and it's going to be looking at technology and life. And, and uh, here's the interesting, tricky part about talking about technology. We know this, or I don't know if you've thought of this, but there are not a lot of Bible verses that talk about how you shouldn't use your iPhone when family are around. Um, they just don't exist. I wish that they did. I wish I could be like, hey, pull it out. Jesus had some really great stuff about the iPhone, and uh, in, in thine, uh, you know, I, app should stay shut. Anyways, it doesn't have it, and so it's just kind of based on other things that we would think, well, if the Bible was written today, then what would it include? And it, for sure, because it's culturally relevant, it would include something about be invested in. And, and this is the tricky thing, because um, I don't know <clears throat> about you, but I, I've heard, and I almost put like a month ago, uh, my wife said this to me, and then I realized that's just a pastor story. Like pastors come up with these imaginary events that well, last night, every comedian, right? When they say, last night I flew in, you're like, this didn't actually, nobody believes that it actually happened last night. Okay, buddy, you can just say whatever. So the same thing for me. I could say about a month ago, my wife, but this is just fact of life. I, it probably happened last month, probably happened last week, probably happened yesterday. I just wasn't even aware of it. But something is happening in our family and I will have my phone out. And my wife, who is way better at this than me, will say, do you think you could just be present for a few minutes? Could you be here for a few minutes? And I, I, I'm, I know that she's not talking about spatially in terms of could you be right here and not over there. She's not like, would you move? Um, and it has nothing to do with existential, I don't even know if you exist or is anything really here, right? Nothing. I know what she means when she says, could you be here? Could you be present? Could you be aware of what's going on? Your kid is asking you to watch him as he flings this food all over. Could you focus right now? Because if you don't, he's just going to keep doing it, and then I have to clean it up. So could you be here for a moment? And then, and then it got down to, it's happened so many times now, it's become a pattern. It's simply two words. It's just be here. And now it's just a look. It's just a, it's just one of those, you know, one of those things. And you're like, I know what you're saying without having to say it. I need to put my phone down and be present in the family. And so I don't think that I'm alone in all of us. Maybe I am, but uh, this is, this is a tricky thing nowadays. Like technology has advanced to a spot where we, I feel like this is an important thing to deal with. And maybe, maybe you got this thing in the mail this last week, because we sent out mailers to anybody that's been a part of Eastlake before in the last, I don't know, a month or, year, or six months or a year or something like that. And you got this in the mail and you're like, this, this, my wife needs this. Honey, we're going to church tomorrow. And you're like, are you sure it's Labor Day? We are going, you, you, we need this. And you categorize it as we need this, but secretly you know that they need this. And so then you brought them, or husband, wife, whatever. Anyways, um, that's a tricky thing. Uh, and like some of you, uh, I went to bed Last night, well, maybe not last night, I'm, I'm using this pastoral term thing again, because I feel convicted because I'm going to talk about this. So I had really, I've had really good uh, ethics on technology over the last couple of days, because I knew I was going to talk about it on Sunday. But prior to that, I would go to bed at night, I would plug my phone into uh, my thing right on my bedstand, because I, probably like many of you, have not owned an alarm clock since I got an iPhone. Uh, why? That seems extra. Why would I pay money for that? I don't know. Um, plugged it in, and if you've ever closed your eyes, you sat there, and, and it's just you're lying awake, and you go, I need to check one last time on what's happening in the world. And so then you flip, you roll to the side of the bed that your spouse or significant other isn't on, and you flip it open. You try and do it so it's an angle that doesn't wake them up, like the blue glow. You know what I mean? But how many times has Kylie fallen asleep with the blue glow? It's just Brent's shadow and then a blue glow, 
and I'm, I'm searching, and I'm, I'm doing, I, I call it research on all of you, so because I'm their pastor. I need to know what's going on in their life, babe. This is important stuff. Until my eyelids are so heavy, I can't keep it open, and I keep dropping my phone because I'm so tired. That's when it's like, okay, now it's time for bed. That is a bedtime routine. I'm not like, I'm not much different than you. Uh, so I, I get it. I understand that. It has to do with our sleeping and our waking. Now, here, here's what's, here, we, we know that the world has shifted. We know that we're dealing with a unique problem now that we didn't have 10 or 15 years ago. And it's illustrated, I'm going to show you in just a moment, a picture of the difference between the Pope being inaugurated or announced uh, in 2005 and then again in 2013 with Pope Francis. Um, this, this whole inauguration thing for the Pope, it, I read a book once, in, or you probably read uh, Dan Brown, he did one as well, talked about how the Popes were elected. Uh, and it's crazy, it's like this weird, they have like this smoke that comes out of the chimney, and it's, as soon as it's white, then it's been elected, until, it's, until then it's not. And it doesn't happen all that often, because Popes generally don't quit. Um, they generally serve their whole life, and then they die, and then we have, now we're forced to do a re-election. There was, however, um, two popes in history that have quit. The mo- most recent one, uh, Pope Benedict quit, and that's when we got Pope Francis. But prior to that, um, and, and that one I think was kind of for health reasons, prior to that, only one pope at one point in history um, had quit. It was, I read a book called The Pope Who Quit Once, and it was like, he's like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Can you imagine quitting popeship? Having that on your resume, like, so what'd you do for those last three years? I, uh, I was the Pope of the Catholic Church, and now I'd like to work in hardware at Lowe's, if that's okay. If you have some openings, I'd like to be there. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, so here's a picture for you to describe just in picture detail the difference, 2015 versus 2013. Check this out. Look at this. <laughs> This is us waiting, anticipating. This is pre-iPhone. However, there is one dude who had a razor right there. <laughs> I'm going to get this on my half megapixel camera. I'm going to post it on my MySpace. And I'm going to get lots of, I don't know, more friends. But then it's changed. And now, now we, we go through life in any major concerts. If you went to a concert at the Gorge this year, this is not an uncommon thing for you to be able to see. Nobody actually experiencing the event, taking the event in through their camera so that they can share it and brag about it to all those people who couldn't make it with them and get all of those different likes. Here's, here's the reality. The, the, the benefit uh, of doing a series like this, I, I already mentioned that the, the bummer of it is there's not a lot of Bible verses uh, that kind of go along with this. There's not a lot of scriptural texts that make this thing work. But there is a plenty of data because this is a problem not with Christians. This is not a Christian problem. If you're a Christian, you struggle with phone stuff. This is a human being problem. Here's some crazy stats for you. Ready? 70% of people sleep within arm's distance of their cell phone every single night. 70% of you. Now, here's what I know about stats and surveys. People who love to take stats and surveys are generally older people. There are 80-year-olds who love taking surveys. So I think that these numbers are skewed up because 18 to 25-year-olds don't like taking surveys, okay? So what that means is I would think that this number actually, especially in a community like ours, where it's, if you look around, it's a generally a younger crowd, then what you're going to see is it's probably not 70%. It's probably 80, 85, 90. All of us sleep within reach of our cell phones every night. 62% of us check our phone within an hour of waking up, whether it's emails, Twitter news, 
And lastly, and this is a big one, 98% of us take our phone with us into the bathroom. Did you know that? I made that last that up, but you didn't think, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, absolutely. And 100% of you don't wash your, have never washed the face of your iPhone, have never disinfected the, the face of your iPhone. Just think about that the next time you pull it up to your face right here. Or ask to borrow a friend's cell phone. Can I borrow your cell phone? Also, do you have any Clorox wipes? Now we're good. Now we're in business. We know it's unhealthy. Uh, it, it doesn't take a pastor before you. It doesn't even take these stats. Like We recognize that our level of dependence and our level of distraction has increased significantly, exponentially over the past few years because of our inability to distance ourselves or have healthy boundaries when it comes to technology. And we know the effects of it. We know it's not great. It just feels like we can point to people who are worse than us, like this video, we're like, oh, that's terrible. And we can point to people who do it better than us. They have like boundaries with it, but we classify them as they're probably Amish or something. So I, I don't, I'm out. I don't want to be that, but I don't want to be that either. But we know it's bad. And every once in a while in moments of self-awareness, usually around January when it's like the whole New Year thing, or, or something takes place in Twitter land or uh, in social media world or whatever, where it's like there's just so much Remember the political season during the election? It was like you just couldn't, you just get in. It's just a black hole, and it was just a waste of time. And so many people go, I'm out, I'm out. I need to declare, because I don't know why I need to declare this, but I need to declare I'm taking a break. And we go on these social media fasts. Kylie uh, did this recently. She knew I was doing this series. I've been reading a couple books leading up to it, and she's asking me what, what they're about. And I was sharing with her some of these statistics and showing her all this stuff. And she's like, man, I need to be better at this. And of the two of us, I'm way worse. So that, that's hilarious for her. But um, she goes, I think what I want to do is Thursday night, I want to be done with social media and I don't want to open it. I don't want to post. I don't want to do nothing uh, up until Saturday morning. My day off is Friday. So it's like our family day. So basically whenever the, when we have the whole family in the house and we're all doing life together, I don't want any of that to be posted. I don't want any, for, for me, this is for me. She just, she made it her, her own thing. She owned up to it. And I, looking up for my cell phone, said, that sounds like a good idea, babe. And then went right back into whatever it is that I was doing. Because uh, it's kind of like when somebody tells you, I think I want to go gluten-free. And you say to them, well, why? Are you gluten intolerant? No, I just want to see if it helps. And you're like, okay, whatever. I feel zero obligation to follow you in that, just so you know. I love bread. Bread is a part of Holy Communion, and I don't want to disappoint Jesus. So therefore, <laughs> I refuse the gluten. And friends, cracked wheat is my jam. And speaking of jam, I love PB&Js, you know? Uh, so when people do these things, we're like, that's great for you. And it sounds, it sounds healthy. It sounds like those seem like good boundaries, but I, I, and, I, and I know something's broken in me, but I just don't know if I'm willing to fix it. Add into that this. Some of you are parents in this room, and you're trying to navigate raising up a human being 
to be a good person in this world in spite of this world. You know what I mean? That is a challenging enough thing in and of itself. And then you add technology into the mix. And it, life is so insanely difficult when it comes to that. In fact, a question was offered, another stat for you. Raising kids in today's society is harder than it was when you were a kid. Agree? Disagree? Don't disagree? Whatever like that. Here's what the categories turned out to be. People who strongly agreed with this category, with this statement is 44%. 44% of people today said way harder today to raise a kid than when I was a kid. 34% said somewhat agree, neither disagree was, uh, neither agree or disagree was 14%, somewhat disagree was 5%, uh, and strongly disagree was 3%, which basically means I was a nightmare and I'm, I was a terrible kid. Uh, and it's, I'm far easier. These kid, my kids are far easier than I was when I was a kid. That's fine. Why? Why though? Okay. So follow up question. If you responded, if you were part of the 78% category that said yes, raising a kid today is harder than it was when I was a kid. Why? What do you think uh, some of the reasons for that are? And this one was a select all that apply, which is why the numbers aren't going to add up to 100%. But it says this: technology and social media top the list, 65%. The reason that it's harder today than ever that to raise a kid is because of all of the things that they can get into. It's the filters that I got to watch out for. It's the messages. It's the pictures. It's the Snapchats. It's the whatever it is that you want to have access to. I don't, I don't know. I used to be able to control who my friends were hanging out or my kids were hanging out with as friends. I used to be able to see them when they would come over to the house. I'd bake them cookies and become their friends, buddy, buddy, ask them about their parents' situation. Are there parents at home? Do you have any older you know, siblings? I used to get all the info, and now they just sit up in the room, and I don't even know who they're talking to. They're playing these games, and they have these friends, and they're part of this club, and they're part of this thing, and, and, and there's chats, and there's chat rooms, and uh, and I don't even, I want my kid to be not, um, not seen as out of it. Like, when is the appropriate age to buy a kid a cell phone? Okay, there you go. Well, what, I, what reason do we have? Apparently 14, right? I, I don't even know. Like, this is the same thing. Like, we're dealing with this as a parent right now. Our, our daughter's nine. When, do you, when are you uh, able to leave your kid at home alone, like, to go, I'm going to go run to the store and, and come back, right? There's like, Washington state law does not give a specific date. It's as determined by the parent. Wow, that is really difficult because I'm ready to be like, she's great. Let's go. We're going to go on a date. And my wife's like, no, it needs to be 10, 11, 12, 14, 18, 21, something like that before we leave her alone to be able to do all, these, all of these things. So then it comes to technology. I mean, we're not even, we're still figuring out the whole when can she stay alone. But once we cross that border, the thing that's waiting for us right beyond that is what do we do about cell phone stuff? And I'm like, oh, man. One, I don't like the added bill. Number, that's probably the primary. Number two, I don't like the idea of being connected into a, a world that is kind of like, you know, how do you protect your kid from some of that stuff, man? This is, this is crazy, crazy stuff. So managing technology, we want to be better at this. We, we know We know we have a problem. You didn't need the video. You didn't need the stats. For most of us, you, when you were sitting there and we watched this and you found out what, this was the topic that we were going to be talking about today, whoever you came with, if they know you well enough, there were some elbows being thrown. There were some, you should probably put your phone down and pay attention to this. <laughs> He's talking to you, you know? There's some of that taking place. 
There are things that we know we want to be better at, and are we willing to take the steps to make it possible for us to be able to make that happen? I want to talk about nudges and disciplines, um, because this is... uh, this, for the rest of the series, these are the things we're going to be talking about. Now that we know we have a problem, now that we know that um, uh, we have space to move forward, what, are, what, what do we need to do? And the, some of the practical things that are going to be presented over the next two weeks are going to be these ideas of nudges and disciplines. Let me, let me define nudges for you. Nudges are small changes in an environment around us that make it easier for us to make the choices that we want to make or that we want others to make, depending on if you're in the, a power position in a relationship or not. Nudges, small things, not overt actions, not like you will do this. I'm going to help make it easier for you to do this. My wife, she used to ask me, "Um, do you want salad with dinner tonight? No. Why would I want salad for dinner? I don't want, no, she's like, well, it's, you know, it's burgers, it's steak, it's something, it's chicken, but uh, as a side, this just takes up more room on the plate. I just, I don't, I don't need a salad. She stopped asking me, I would just now show up at home after work and there would be salad on the dinner table. And when it's there, and I know that she's invested time and energy and money into making this, I am more apt to actually eat it and be healthier than I would have if I wasn't there, right? That's a nudge. When we go out to uh, dinner for a date night, if we go to a restaurant with uh, TVs, if we go to Red Robin or Applebee's or something like that, and there are TVs with sports, especially Sports Center or Mariners games or football or anything like that, right? Because there's no night of the week now from here on out that there's not football on TV. So just be warned, right? I, I know that she hates it when we are having a conversation and my eyes are doing this. Uh, you, you probably can't see it from here, but up, down, up, down, huh, uh huh, uh huh, yep, uh huh. And I'm constantly checking what's going on behind her because there's TVs all over. So I, I have decided, listen, especially for date night, I want to communicate uh, how much of a priority it is that we have genuine conversation that's not distracted. So I will position myself, if I think about it ahead of time, and I try to do this, with my back to whatever TVs are taking place. That's a nudge. I'm, I'm not saying I can't watch it. She's not telling me, but I just, I just know me. I don't want to do this, but I know me, okay? So I sit down. And I just pray that the spoon reflection doesn't have, like, isn't clear. I pray that it's dirty so that I can't see what's going on. That's a nudge, okay? I'm nudging my way into that. Disciplines, though, are a little bit different. Disciplines go above and beyond this. Disciplines, by taking us to our very limits, gradually move those limits. They move us toward being the kinds of people that we were meant to be and that we want to be, okay? Disciplines are this. I'm going to discipline myself to be on a paleo diet or some sort of a diet where I'm not going to, this isn't like long-term, I'm going to go to extreme measures for a distinct period of time. And then when I get off of that, I don't just go back to what I was beforehand. Hopefully I'm a little bit better because I've felt what it feels like to eat healthy or exercise more or whatever. In the spiritual realm, the spiritual disciplines are things like solitude and fasting. These are like the, the spiritual disciplines of the church. Every once in a while, it's good for you to go into a period of solitude. It's good to break away for a little bit, for maybe an hour a day or a day a week or a, a week a year, where it's like just you or just you and your family or something like that, because you can't live like that. You can't live as a hermit, but you do it once in a while so that you can be with yourself, which I think is a healthy sort of thing. If we want a better life for ourselves and for our families, we will have to choose it. Nudges and disciplines. 
small changes to our environment, seasons of discipline. And the best way to choose is to nudge and discipline ourselves towards the kind of life that we most deeply want. If we recognize there's a problem, and we're not exactly sure what it's going to take to get there, but we know what's involved in this are going to be small changes to our environment and probably seasons where we say, you know what, I got to stop, I got to do this. Again, I come back to this idea of solitude as a spiritual discipline. One of the problems that technology offers to us is our inability of, to ever truly be alone. If you have ever left a dinner party um, to go to the restroom or whatever, and on the way back, you've paused in the hallway and just browsed on your phone for a bit. Or if you're at dinner with somebody, somebody gets up to go take a phone call or use the restroom or whatever, and you, in the, as, soon as, the, as soon as the seat goes up, moves out, and they're off, it's boom, right there. We are not great at being alone. This is what technology has taught us. It is not good to be alone with your own thoughts. <laughs> we, you grew up taking a philosophy class where at some point somebody taught you the unreflected life is not a life that's worth living. Uh, but we, we, don't actually, we don't actually know what it feels, it feel, whenever, we, whenever we do get there, we're so conditioned to the opposite, we almost feel naked and out of place. What is the worst feeling ever? When your phone is at 1% and you're headed like to the DMV or you know you have a, a place to wait and all of a sudden it dies and you're just like, I have a brick in my pocket, one, and now two, I have nothing to do. What, are, what am I supposed to talk to these people around me? I don't like these people. I don't want to talk to these people. I don't want to be alone with my own thoughts. We get in the car to drive somewhere, and because of the new law, we, we turn off our phone, but then what do we do? We turn on the stereo. Silence is deafening for us. We miss out on, I think, the picture and the encouragement of Jesus when it would say he'd wake up early and go off into a solitary place and begin to pray. It sounds really good, but that sounds like, uh, I don't know, impossible for me, I, or really undesirable for me. So number one, I, I think one of the things that I, the reason that I think it's, it's worth it for, and some nudges and, and possibly some dif- disciplines moving forward, is are, am I putting myself, am I putting myself intentionally in a position to be alone with my own thoughts? Is there any time in my current schedule that either it's built in or that when it happens, as it will happen, that I rest and remain okay with that? Could it possibly be a check in my spirit this week as I be distracted, not just by my phone, by TV at night right before I go to bed, where I would say, you know what, it's good, I just... How about maybe just me? Not only that, I think uh, number two is you have people in your life um, who know you best and can speak into your life and shape you into the person that you want to be. 
But what technology has done for us is to be able to create filters for who we allow to speak into our lives, the voices that we listen to. We follow certain people, typically people whose political views and viewpoints and um, tastes and music tastes or whatever we agree with. So it's basically just an affirmation of what we already are. And we have all of these voices in our head that kind of tell us how to think. We don't know how to think on our own, and so we operate with this hive mentality of what does, every, what does everybody else think about this? That's cool. That's what I think too. Instead of actually shaping the character, or allowing the people closest to us who know the complexities of our life to be able to shape us. The difference between tools and technology, let me say that, let me speak to that for a minute. Tools have been around forever. Like as soon as, as soon as we, uh, as soon as we were created or exited the cave or whatever you want to believe about any of that, we started figuring out, hey, I could make this into a fork and then I could stab things and I could create this wheel and this makes things move better, right? Technology, this idea of tools helping us get a job done has been around for a while. Technology, though, is different. Like some of the technology we have today does our work for us. You have a Roomba. Some of you have a Roomba. Literally, I don't have to think about it. I just let the thing bzzz, goes around and it vacuums it all up for me. I don't even need to do the work for it. I don't need to put the hard work in to achieve what I want to achieve. That's the problem a lot of times with technology is it removes us from the, it removes us from the grind. Now, when the Bible has so much to say about wisdom and the difference between wisdom and information, Wisdom is not just information. Wisdom is understanding, the kind of understanding that guides action, okay? The problem with technology for us today is that at the tip of your fingers, you have access to all kinds of information, an information database unprecedented in world history. Trivia is almost not fun anymore because nobody ever plays Trivial Pursuit at home with their phones open. You've never gone to Gaslight Bar and Grill and be like, it's trivia night, everybody pull out your cell phones, that would be the lamest game of trivia ever. It's, what's the number one rule? If you pull out your phones, you're out, you know? Uh, information is more accessible than ever, but what that has done for us is it has made actual wisdom and understanding how all of the pieces fit together, how to connect the dots between the information in the world and what I should do with it and who I should be as a person. That is in incredibly lacking in our world. And how does that come? Where does that kind of an understanding come from? It comes from something a little bit different. Technology can offer you information. It can't offer you wisdom. Technology, here, here's a quote for you. Technology is a brilliant, praiseworthy expression of human creativity and cultivation of the world. I mean, absolutely brilliant. I would not, listen, I'm not like some crazy guys like, listen, let's all be anti-technology. Let's go back and, if we can go back 40, 50 years, man, we, would, we were a lot happier back then. We were not. We were working our butt off. Like, a lot of us work computer jobs now. It's a lot less back-breaking as a result of it. Like, it's fantastic. The world is a better place. However, it is at best neutral in actually forming human beings who can create and cultivate as we were meant to. It is at best neutral. It does not, it allows us an audience of people who know us, but they don't really truly know us. That's the problem that we have 
is that we've created this audience of people who see the highlights of our day and of our existence and all of these pictures from a certain angle with a certain light, and I take four of them just to make sure I get the right one, and I let people know what I'm doing, what they're missing out on. If you were friends with me, you could also be on this boat, but you're not, so... And we create people who we think know us, but they only know the simplistic level of our life. You and I are shaped, and wisdom is shaped in us by being with and being around, not just by ourselves. Like we talked about the value of being alone, but also about being people, being with people who know the complexities of our life, the good things about us, but more importantly, probably the bad things about us, and still love us anyways as a result of it. The problem with uh, online social media is that people know the good things about us, and if they know anything bad about us, they can unfollow us, unfriend us, or we mute them, or block them, or get them out of our life. All we know is praise. It's like this one-way street for us. The beauty of family, the beauty of friendships, friendships that are our actual, real flesh in life, this is us. We share in the complexities that my life, there are ups and downs, there are good things about my personality, and there are bad things about my personality. And once you know me, you can help shape that in me. We need people who know us and the complexities and the difficulties of our life so really well, so well that we can't hide it from them, who love us, who are unreservedly and unconditionally committed to us, our flourishing and our growth no matter what we do, and who are so committed to us, they won't let us stay the way that we are. And I'm just convinced you don't find that um, online. You don't find that in technology. There, there's a time and a place. That I'm not saying don't post videos of your kid losing their tooth so grandma over in, on the west side can see it. That's fine. That's great. But it's limited. If, if we could possibly, in, in that moment, pause for a moment and be like, I don't want my whole identity to be shaped on this shell of a creature, shell of an image that I've created on here. I need, I need my own personal space, and I need people who I allow in that personal space to speak into me, to not allow me to stay the way that I am, but to shape me, to grow me in wisdom and understanding, and understanding that shapes the action that I take in life. And finally, and this is the third one, and this one is um, for those of us who would say that we're trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, so if, if you're not a Christian, this one's free pass. I think the first two are brilliant enough to be able to go off of. This last one is for those of us who are Christians who would say, I would say this, um, you are shaped also by submission to our creator. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says this, chapter one, verse seven, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Fear of the Lord, not this like, oh, I'm so scared of what you're going to do to me. I haven't been to church in six months, and I showed up today, and like, I'm waiting for the lightning to strike. And that's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about awe, reverence, and respect. It's, 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 it's saying, uh, treating him not as an equal or like a little bit above equal, but something entirely other. You're entirely other, I, and, and, and therefore, um, Lord over, over me and over my life, and, and whose opinion and whose uh, take on me means more than my own Take on myself and what others think about me. Proverbs is this ancient book that was uh, kind of like a uh, collection of wisdom sayings, wisdom teachings. This was a common 
technique in the ancient Near East. It would be like a how-to manual that a father would provide for a son or that would be kind of expected of a father to raise his children, not just his son, but son and daughters in to the, so that they can be a beneficial presence for the community. And right at the very beginning of this entire collection, this anthology of proverbial sayings and wisdom sayings, is this encapsulating thought that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but only fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, for those of us who recognize we have a problem, for those of us who go, okay, potentially some nudges and some new disciplines in my life are going to help me transcend the immediacy of the moment towards, towards something bigger and better, something that I, I want to be made into, it comes with an awareness of our own personal space. Are we, are, are we okay with being just with ourselves? It comes with, our, in those moments where I'm surrounded by people who know the complexities of my life, am I willing to set that aside, set aside this fake community for this real community? And for some of us, am I willing to raise my head and stand in awe and reverence and respect of a God who created me, who loves me, who knows me more intimately than anybody else and still chooses to love me anyways? That's the definition of a good family. It's also the definition of a good God, a God who knows me and loves me in spite of me. Technology is not just good. It's very good. But does it make me the kind of human being who can contribute something of lasting value to my family, my neighbors, my society, and our broken world. Let's pray. Father, I pray that each and every one of us, whether or not we would um, say that this is an immediate issue for us, uh, a potential issue for us, like we could see ourselves getting there because of our addictive personalities or whatever, I I pray that you would help us um, to take a personal inventory, become self-aware a little bit, uh, about the role that we have allowed technology to place in our lives. I, I think that you are shaping us um, to be a certain way. We apologize for those times in our lives where we have been so distracted or so, oh man, just over-attentive on a lower, a lower level of, of our identity um, than, what, than what you speak of us. It really is just idolatry, and um, we ask for forgiveness in that, and we ask for wisdom and courage moving forward that you would help us know what to do with what we've heard. In your name, amen.